So, the Greek New Testament word for that is economy. Yeah. Some I rather, yeah, so I'd rather see the word economy. I think we should redeem the word dispensation. It's been stolen from. You get it back. It's been stolen from us by the dispensationalists. Yeah. I'm typically in favor of that. used to use that word. Was that? Like Jehovah. Like, I have no problem with using the term Jehovah. The Jehovah's Witnesses stole that from us. Or Yahweh. Yeah. I'm like that with the term Catholic. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, Dude, these are great words. Oh, I tend towards that di- that direction. We just just like may need to like temporarily kind of. Just like dispensationalists stole church and they stole Israel from us. Yeah. <laughs> and rapture. Yeah. And rapture. I can't say rapture now. Whatever you know, you look at me cross-eyed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Credo Covenant Fellowship, where we seek to enter the cultural conversation from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is J.D. Warren, and I'm here with my fellow bearded Credo Covenant gospel man, Billy Linhart. Hola. Billy, the other night, my wife and I were standing outside. It was a clear night. We looked up in the sky and to the north, and the stars were really bright. And she said, oh, look, there's the Big Dipper. (laughs) Speaking of Big Dippers, we are joined by Enrique Jr., the Big Dipper Duran. Hey, everybody. And another Big Dipper, Rene Del Rio, is oh, with us. He's looking at my nose. He's looking at my nose when he said that. Hello. Come on. <laughs> that hurt, bro. I was actually looking at your eyes, but there was something in the way. <laughs> that hurt and all. as bad as you drinking coffee, right? <laughs> Uh, Rene Del Rio is also with us today. Good morning. Thank you. I was at a Good conference. Speaking of big noses, I was at a conference. <laughs> and and there, there was a speaker there who does, who, does, uh, who teaches um, airport security to recognize faces and, and uh, you know, who's a terrorist or whatever. But anyway, a large nose is a sign that you're a good provider of your house. I'm just saying I'm not pointing out anybody. <laughs> oh wow! Was that a Duranty reference? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's let's try to get back on topic here. That whole thing was derailed. Now we're we are still talking about uh, covenant theology from Adam to Christ. This is Nehemiah Cox's book, and we have been talking about uh, the relation of the, the different covenants given to Abraham. How is it covenant of grace? Who is it promised to? How is it administered? Some of those miscellaneous topics. And today we come to uh, the covenant of circumcision. Dun, and, dun, dun. <laughs> and Nehemiah Cox's treatment of that. We kind of touched on the topic of the, the covenant of grace was given to Abraham through Christ. And Nehemiah Cox seems to pick up on that as he 
begins in chapter 5, the, the first section of the covenant of circumcision, and he spends three chapters on the covenant of circumcision. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to try to cover all three chapters today. There, there's a lot here, but these are all related, and they'll, they'll kind of build with our discussion. So I think they're helpful to do all at the same time. Uh, but he says on page 86 of his book, on section 1, that as to those words, quote, to you and to your seed, the latter may be taken as an interpretation of the former, then the sense is to you, that is, to your seed. The Hebrew particle used here should undoubtedly be taken in this sense in some other places and is to be interpreted not as copulative by and, but as explicative by even or that is. Do you, do you feel like that's a helpful way to understand that it is given to Abraham, that is, to your seed? Well, I think so. Yeah. To you or even to your seed, so yeah. Even to your seed. So, so what is he trying to say? Is he trying to say that the promise is primarily to Abraham? Well, he says, see, okay, see 1 Chronicles 21-12, where it is so rendered. So let's take a look in our handy-dandy um, Bibles, right? Handy-dandy notebooks. Handy-dandy, yeah, Bible notebooks. <laughs> now look at the other one, passage, Second Samuel. Okay, so 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, or 1 Chronicles, if you're so inclined. So or just Chronicles, if you're old school. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because it was. It is just one book. One Chronicles, chapter twenty-one, and verse twelve. I'm gonna. I'll go ahead and read it when it comes up. So, verse twelve. Either three years of famine. Wait, is this right? One Chronicles twenty-one twelve. One Chronicles twenty-one twelve. Oh, I'm on the right one. Either three years of famine or three months to be consumed before your foes, while a sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of Yahweh even pestilence in the land, and the angel of Yahweh destroying throughout all the borders of Israel. Now, therefore, consider what... I don't see seed anywhere. Even, even, well, well, yeah, it's yeah, probably the word even there. It, uh, it even says, pestilence uh, in the land. Yeah, what translation? Your New American Standard? Bill? Always. Where, where are you going with? <laughs> uh, the web, the uh, World English Bible. Okay. What do you have over there, Renee? Uh, well, I was looking at the next passage in Second Samuel. Okay. So it says, So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and all the men with him not one will be left. So mm-hmm. both, both of the places that that's translated and, okay. Okay. Uh, he's saying there that it should be translated rendered even. So right. in uh, First Chronicles... Right, in First Chronicles 21.12, either three years of famine or three months to be swept away before your foes, while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword, even pestilence in yeah. the land, so, even the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory yeah. of Israel. So yeah, if they had, oh, if even, they had, even the angel. Even. Yeah, if they yeah. had put the word and in there, it wouldn't... So he's, he's saying yeah. it's not two separate things. So what it is, yeah, so what it is it's, it's to you, by, by to you, I mean, it's to your seed. Yeah. That's what it talks about. Well, I mean, basically, it comes down to just you know syntax and understanding the languages. I haven't had Hebrew yet, but I know in in the Greek, you know, the the word chi can be translated. It can be translated that uh, that is or even or you know in in those ways. Also, it could be translated also. So um, you know, th- those are definitely you know the the use of language. Those are ways that you know historically those terms have been used. So, what what, what was your question, JD? I was just asking if that was a helpful way because it's gonna it's gonna build because in Galatians, um, 
Paul talks about right. Paul talks about the covenant grace, and he's given the apostolic interpretation. It's not to your seeds; it's to your seed one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which um, is Christ. Which is Christ. So I think understanding it that way is is helpful when we're looking at the rest of the covenants. Is that the the covenant of of grace was given to Christ right. through Abraham? Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. And, and all the elect in him. Right, and all the elect in him. It's given to Abraham, as he said, as we talked about in the last podcast, it's given to Abraham only subserviently. Right. 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 So, you know, it's, it's, it's given to Christ, and as a result, it's given to Abraham. As opposed to, the other, way, as opposed to the other way around. And he further explains here, uh, after that the area we just uh, quoted about uh, to you and to your seat, he says, All rights are not, present, are, pre- are not presently actionable. A man may have a right to an inheritance by promise without the right of present possession. This he may not enter into uh, mm-hmm. into until a long time after, or perhaps not himself, but his posterity are to possess it by the right by that right which is at present made over to him. So yeah. that's, that's, that's New research. Testament. That's New Testament reading. Yeah. Right. yeah. So that's when he kind of starts to explain. Yeah, to that. and to that you, was and even to your seed. Yeah, it's almost like you know the first century. You know how they understood betrothal. You know, in, in the yeah. Bible times, you know, where somebody would be betrothed to somebody, and they would be, in essence, they would be married to them. The only way that they could uh, that they could part from that that unity with that person was to get a divorce. Even though they did not live together yet, they did not, you know, consummate the marriage or anything like that. They were still bound together in that in that very strong sense, yeah. and so they, they had a contract between the two of them, a covenant, and then. Only later would they have the benefits of that covenant. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and that was you know another thing is I think he was also helpful in that section that Renee just read, talking about rights and them not being enforced necessarily mm. right away. That it can come later. It's it's just like I mean our culture is totally different, but the way God instituted marriage is men have a right to marry a wife. Mm-hmm. Well, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily take on that right immediately. I mean, well, and that's what the New Testament says: is that there's a, where there's a will, um, it doesn't go into effect until that, that party right passes or whatever. Right, that doesn't go into effect yet. So that that, that contract mm-hmm. is there, that right. testament is there, but it doesn't go into effect. Right, mm-hmm. and that's my, my grandfather was doing some genealogy, and he was looking mm-hmm. up some old stuff and. Uh, he was reading a lot of wills, mm-hmm. and he was seeing that you know we have living wills, mm-hmm. um, and a person is writing a will saying, mm-hmm. you know, this person has a right to this, but not yet. Yeah. So as soon as I die, they can have it. Yeah. Uh, so it's the the, the same with mm-hmm. um, with Abraham. It, you know, it's given to Christ, mm-hmm. and he he's not going to possess it until yeah. Christ comes. It reminds me of Psalm 2. In mm-hmm. Psalm 2, uh, verse 7, he says, um, I, will, I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He, he said to me, and this is Jesus speaking, the Messiah speaking. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. Mm. And the very ends of the earth is your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. So he are, he's already declaring to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. But then when you get to the New Testament, you see that that's not even really fulfilled until Christ's resurrection and ascension. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's at the point that he is raised from the dead and ascends on high. It's at that point 
that this passage is fulfilled, even though it's already declared in the Old Testament mm. centuries ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Christ has to fulfill the covenant of works that Adam couldn't fulfill first. Mm-hmm. Right? He has to yeah. do his work, his, his, uh, his passive work and his active work. He has to so it's declared, it. but it's not consummated. Right. Right, and and then we'll right. see how this relates to, to circumcision, mm-hmm. uh, because we're talking about, and this is another way where um, Cox will say something in one section, then later kind of contradict it, because he talks about people who insert right and interest are just confounding the thing. But he's here he's talking about right and interest mm-hmm. in yeah. covenants, um, because what Cox goes on to show is that you know the the promise was given to Abraham, but then. It was enlarged. He goes mm-hmm. on to mm-hmm. say that right. you know that you're not going to receive the land until 400 years after uh, bondage right. in Egypt. Right. So after that is when your mm-hmm. seed will inherit the land, and and he goes on to to show that you know, yeah, he, Canaan wasn't ripe for judgment yet. And, mm-hmm. and he says right. he he says that at the end of the first full paragraph on uh, page 87. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not the full paragraph. It start. It actually starts on page eighty-six, but it's at the end of that paragraph. He says, "In this, a new state of things was to be expected, when their old covenant right and privilege was to expire, and its proper end and design being fully accomplished." So, once once Israel fulfilled its role, you know, I always like to refer to Israel, Old Testament Israel, as almost like an acorn or seed. You know, where you you have the outer shell, the protective shell, you know, is like, and then you have the kernel, and the kernel represents the remnant of Israel, yeah. right? But that seed ultimately is carrying Christ. You know, I mean, once once you get to the New Testament and Christ comes, the outer shell is discarded, and a tree sprouts, and that's that's the church in all of its glory. You know, that, that extends to all nations, not yeah. just national Israel. You know, and I know it's a lot of a lot of metaphor there, but. You know, I think that that to me that's the best way of understanding covenant theology, is that whenever that seed has has mm-hmm. has completed its role of falling into the falling to the ground, discarding its outer shell and sprouting, you know, in, into a, a tree that that's that's you know it's no longer a seed anymore. Now it's the full blossom tree. You know? That, that you know, what you just, what you just said is pretty much how Voss. Um, describes Reformed Biblical Theology. That's his definition. Of really? Biblical. Yeah. I have his the, book. The, 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 organic, <laughs> the organic revelation of God, you know, through through uh, through time in, in humanity. So mm. it's a seed. It kind of becomes a tree. You know. Yeah. Amen. I like boss. Then on page 90, we have the institution of the covenant of circumcision. So, so we have all these promises. Right. Uh, given to Abraham, and, and as you were as you were saying, Billy, that all of these promises God gave, but He did not institute a sign yet. It's not until mm-hmm. Genesis seventeen mm-hmm. that the actual covenant of circumcision was granted, and I think the reason of, of this is Acts seven verse eight says, and He gave Stephen is saying that in God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac. So Abraham's got two seeds. So God is going to institute something that is showing where the, the actual promise is going. Mm-hmm. Um, circumcision was enacted, and then the right was then passed on to Isaac and not Ishmael. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was given. But they were both circumcised. But they were mm-hmm. both circumcised. Yeah. Um, this one was circumcised, what, like 13, 14 years old, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Right. That's, that's wicked. That's what they do in some African <laughs> countries, they still do that, yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> well, and Abraham, Abraham was a hunter, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and all the men who, uh, who oh, that city that raped Dinah. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys. Well, the, awesome. the city didn't do it. Well, the city didn't do it. But yeah, the one guy did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because of that one the guy. Prince, yeah. yeah, either because of him. Man. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd leave the city. I'd go be a different city. Really? Come on, guys. We're all going to do this? Really? <laughs> You're fleeing. I know. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need that prince. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the water feels like the sun burns closer than than my like the water feels like the sun burns closer than my closer than my like the water feels like the sun burns closer than my closer than my like the water feels like the sun burns closer than And so this is where signs and seals become evidence. Yeah. Because now you have the sign of circumcision given to Ishmael and Isaac. Mm-hmm. But the seal okay. is through Isaac. Yes. The rights are given to Isaac through Isaac 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to call your seed. You know, it's going to go through him. And then it goes through the distinction of the tribes in, in Israel. And, and all of this is, is building because in chapter 6 is where he really is starting to develop this covenant of circumcision. So chapter 5, he's just laying some groundwork. Here's some, some things that we should understand about um, circumcision. And so then in chapter 6, he, he lays down two propositions. This is page 97. So he's saying that, number one, the immediate and remote seed of that line to which the promises of the covenant of circumcision belonged were as fully included and interested in them as the immediate seed. As in, you have the tribes of Israel and all the, the descendants after the flesh mm-hmm. all the way down are just as interested as Isaac. Uh, Isaac. Right. And then he says, from the first establishing of this covenant, some of the immediate seed of Abraham were excluded from mm-hmm. interest in it. Mm-hmm. So the covenant of circumcision was given for Abraham's seed, not just Isaac, but all the way down to, mm-hmm. to Christ. But he's also giving circumcision to exclude certain people. So he's given a sign and a seal to, um, to uh, Isaac. And so he goes on to say that Israel was built upon this covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when he starts to use that word church, church state. state. Church yeah, state, he yeah. He, to put that in there. And what are y'all seeing... Cox is trying to lay out with circumcision when he starts talking about the church state. Hmm. Um, well, he, he mentions it's just a, uh, a flesh. Exactly. Idea. I was that last sentence. Yeah. That last sentence of, of uh, section five. So therefore, the privilege of the carnal seed of Abraham, right, by virtue of the covenant mm-hmm. of circumcision, can be derived no higher than advantage and privilege which you. Or actually, the first sentence that mm-hmm. these things may be the better under, better understood, we must further observe that this covenant of circumcision was the foundation on which the church state of Israel after the flesh. Mm-hmm. So let's be specific. I'm talking about these group of people, the church state after the flesh. This is different than um, the heart. Right. Right. Yeah. This is the the nation, mm-hmm. the church state folk, not the necessarily the spiritual Israel. So he's saying basically that the covenant of circumcision was intended to bring about a nation for what for what purpose? What what is the Jew oh, yeah. getting with the covenant of circumcision? What what did they get that no other person gets? Billy's kind of bringing that out is they they get to be the people who carry the yeah. covenant of grace. Right. So trying to understand these covenants, the covenant of circumcision. Yeah, Ephesians two. Yeah, well, okay. If we go to Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, it really draws this out. You know, what is the major difference between uh, between Israel and mm-hmm. the Gentiles, right? So Ephesians 2. And this is another... 11. 11. This is another rendering um, often done in the New Testament that I really struggle with. I don't like... How uh, how the term Gentile is used in the New Testament? I would rather just say nations because I think that's right. how, how it would have been read by the original audience. Whether you're talking about Old Testament people or New Testament people, they would have, you know, in, in, they wouldn't have understood it as understood it as the Gentiles. They would have heard nations. I think we do that because we think it helps to refer to them as, as Gentiles, you know. But it was one word. It was ethnos. You know, is the word that, that was used for Gentiles. But if we understand it as nations, then I think it helps us to understand a lot, a lot better what's being talked about here. Um, but anyways, okay. So starting in verse eleven, it says, "Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, or the nations in the flesh, uh, who are called uncircumcisions by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands." 
Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. And and this is where, you know, what what uh, what J.D. is talking about regarding, you know, the, the separation. You know, there, there's a, a almost like this uh, protective shell, like like the seed analogy, this protective shell around the people of Israel, protecting that covenant of grace, the promise of the Messiah. So what he says is in uh, that you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. And what does that in- exclusion include? And strangers to the covenants of promise. So if you're excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, you're a stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope in of that the God promise, in the world. Right. What's that? Of the promise? You're, you're not saying of the promise? Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, of promise. It just says the covenants of promise. Okay, okay. So uh, having no hope and without God in the world. So if you're not of the nation of Israel prior to Christ's coming, you know, then you're excluded from all of that. So that, that, that would be the benefit of being in Israel pre-Messiah, pre-Advent, is that you have the, the benefits of the promises of the Messiah coming. You have the benefits of being the, the people of God. You know, you have all of his his precepts and, and his counsel yeah. written mm-hmm. down. Now you have a Romans, what, 2? Romans 9. Yeah, yeah. 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 what, well, 2. But yeah, yeah. You know, Romans 9, he talks about the oracles of God. You know, what's, what's the benefit, then, of being an Israelite yeah. He's in his defense of Romans 9? But yeah, Romans 2 as well. Yeah. He talks yeah. about the Jews. Having so, benefits, you know, of the law given to you, you know. Right. Whereas in the New Testament, through Christ, that dividing wall has been broken down, and and now every now it's extended out to every nation, mm-hmm. every people group. Hmm. Can, can I read Romans nine real quick? Hmm? Um, the whole thing. Uh, just part. Of it. <laughs> Romans nine, starting at three. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kins, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the mm. worship, and the promises. Mm-hmm. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended, are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it was not the children of the flesh or the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So he continues on. Yeah, so, so he's saying that the deficiency there is not in Scripture. You know, it's not as though Scripture has failed, but, but rather it's, it's in his or, or in the Jewish understanding of, of the nature of Israel. The, that, that's what's wrong. What's wrong is, is looking at Israel and saying, well, we're good because we have Abraham as our father. Well, John the Baptist would disagree with you there in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 3, where he says, don't, say, don't think that you can say for yourselves we have Abraham as our father. If, if God wants to raise up sons for Abraham, he could use these stones here. Right. So Israel had a faulty understanding that just because we've been circumcised, just because we're of a certain lineage, we're the people of God. Well, there was a sense in which that was true. That, that, that you had the ability for that to happen in the Old Testament. If you repented and put your faith in the coming Messiah, then definitely you would have been part of that remnant. It was revealed only yeah. to them. Yeah, but there's no guarantee in just the circumcision. Just, you know, you have to have that faith, like Abraham, uh, like J.D. was saying uh, a couple of podcasts ago. You know, that, that, that it's the faith that truly saves. You have to have the faith of Abraham. If, you know, can I read real quick from Romans 2? And, and again, uh, I would recommend uh, 2.11 through the end of the chapter, but I'm only going to read the last two, two verses, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. 
uh, verse 29, but he was a Jew who was one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not the letter, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So I think that's what you're alluding to, J.D., and I know. Yeah, you've got God, God is building something with circumcision. He's he's laying down that there are people who belong to God who received the sign, uh, but did not receive the seal of circumcision. Although Ishmael received the sign, he could claim that Abraham was his father in the flesh, and that he received circumcision. But he did not receive the promises like Isaac did. Mm-hmm. Isaac received it by faith. And so I, I think that's what Cox is pointing out, is that this, this covenant of circumcision is, is, is a gracious covenant. We, we obey it. I mean, Abraham had to obey it, the, uh, although he, he had to circumcise his children and, and so on. And by virtue of circumcision. Out, he also points out Lot, though, too, right? Further, he talks about yeah. Lot not being part of yeah. the same uh, nation at that point, I guess. Right. Separate, yet we would consider Lot... That's righteous. Righteous, yeah. Uh, I think what Cox is pointing out, though, is that Israel had a special interest in the covenant of grace yeah. by having the covenant of circumcision. Mm. So they were God's special people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's how we, he's saying this is how we should understand circumcision. It serves a subservient role to the covenant of grace to lead us uh, to Christ. So, but he's, he's drawing out all these inferences from circumcision showing its importance, yeah. but then how it has its fulfillment right. in, Christ. in Christ. And, and so he's getting to the point where all of this, again, is serving as a type, yes. is serving mm-hmm. as a shell that holds a shadow. The, right. Mm-hmm. All, all these things. He's, he's pointing out that um, it, it's typed shadow. It's pointing to something mm-hmm. greater. Mm-hmm. So it has a particular role and that's and to lead us to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he, he says there's some objections to this. It's on page 104. He says, The objection is earnestly pleaded by some that all the immediate seed of Abraham were interested in this covenant, and that the first right and its promise belonged to them, since the seal of the covenant was applied to them all in their circumcision, the doing of which must be absurd and useless if they had not been parties in that covenant to which this seal belonged. And then he says... It is not at all proper for our uncertain conjectures or inferences to be opposed to the express testimony of God himself, or that his wisdom should be called into question on their account. Though God laid his command on Abraham to circumcise Ishmael, yet at the same time he tells him that his covenant would be established with Isaac, excluding Ishmael. To him he will not grant a joint interest with Isaac in this covenant, even though Abraham interceded for him. God dismisses Ishmael's claim and lays out his portion by himself and another inferior blessing. Mm-hmm. How would we interact with a pedo-baptist yeah. who would claim that baptism has now replaced circumcision in the new covenant? How would we interact with them in pointing out Ishmael? To the, I, I think this is something that pedo-baptists really need to see in order for them to, to understand some things. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier, I think, um, I can't remember if we recorded this or not, but about how pedo-baptists uh, believe the same things we do but they don't think through them. Is that how you said it? Yeah. Or flesh it out. They don't flesh it out. No. They don't flesh it out. Get it? Flesh it out. I <laughs> 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 Well, that's what I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, how, how would y'all, whether it's on Facebook or in person, and you've got a pedo-baptist saying, yeah, but my, my child is a covenant ch- of child. 
I mean, the promises are to me, well, first but I also to my offspring. First, I wouldn't do it on Facebook. <laughs> right? Yeah, I agree. That's where all theological <laughs> shit occur. <laughs> it needs to be done on Twitter, man. Yeah. You've got to be pretty good about things like yeah. 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 The statements are always clear. Yeah. Grace is always shown. Smiley face. Yeah. Smiley <laughs> face. Except when you accidentally type the... The frown face. There you go. There you go. Then you got to go back. So okay. So you're asking how would you how would you use Ishmael to respond to a Pedo Baptist? What, what specific argument are you anticipating coming from the Pedo Baptist side? Well, the what to Ishmael? Yeah, regarding Ishmael. Well, I think what precipit what would precipitate the argument is who is the proper uh, subject of baptism? Yes. For the Pedo Baptist, it lies in circumcision. Okay. They always point back to Abraham. Right. They always point back to Abraham. And so, hmm. you know, using Ishmael as an example, how would you then respond to... Yeah. Well, I, I would ask, plan. not just what is it... Because, I mean, ultimately, when we're talking to our Pato Baptist brothers, the question goes back to what is the... what is. What is baptism a sign of, right? And for them, it's a sign of the covenant. And we would say, well, okay... There, there's a certain, you know, there, there are some Baptists that would agree with you and some that would disagree with you. But, but the the question that I would ask is, what is what is baptism a picture of? Yeah. Right. And what, what does it represent in the in the in the believer's life? And we would argue that it's it's a picture of and it represents mm-hmm. death, burial, and resurrection in union with Christ. Yeah. Right. And if that hasn't happened in somebody's life, if they haven't died to their sins, died to their old self, and put on the new new self in Christ. And if, and if they haven't been raised to walk with Christ in, in newness of life, then they have no um, they have no place in partaking of that ordinance that's a picture of that. I would also argue, I, I think in some ways I would probably be a little bit more pedo-baptist in saying that, yeah, in some ways baptism relates to circumcision. And I do that based on Colossians 2. Mm-hmm. Being baptized into Christ means that Christ himself was circumcised mm-hmm. in the flesh. He was cut off for us so that when we're when we're baptized, we are baptized into his circumcision. So I would certainly say that baptism, and maybe I'd take a real weird view from most other Baptists, but I would I would say that again, if baptism is a means of grace, if it's more than a memory, the same way the Lord's Supper is, then there's something happening at baptism. Yeah. And I think that is being baptized into Christ and circumcision relating. So Well here's here's the problem with this though, is that if you look at Colossians chapter two, that's not at all talking about I mean he he makes it clear he's not talking about circumcision of the flesh at all. Right. You know, he's talking about circumcision of the heart, because he says, And in him, talking about Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Right. So to to say that this is talking about the fleshly circumcision of the old testament. Yeah. Is I think to to make a giant leap, you know. I think they're stretching it to say that there's some kind of correlation uh, to to use this passage and say that there's some kind of correlation between Old Testament circumcision and baptism. Okay. Because and, and then he goes on, you know, having been buried with him in baptism, that's exactly what he's talking about in Revelation and Romans chapter six is united with Christ. And, you know, and that's where you know that's where I have another issue with using Latin terms in our. Our translation or transliteration mm-hmm. in the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about being immersed in Christ. He's right. not being talking about. He's not talking about water baptism there. Yeah. So to say he's talking about Old Testament circumcision and water baptism, you're stretching the language of this text. 
in my opinion. But I, I want to I want to kind of answer JD and be the uh, pedal Baptist advocate instead of devil advocate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Esau and and uh, Ishmael, right? Both circumcised. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, you know. We, we, we live in the. Uh, I know. We, we live in a now and not, you know not yet. You know, of course, we're gonna have a mixed community, um, just as Ishmael and Esau were circumcised, but not um, Christians or whatever. You know, uh, the church. So um, Isaac and Jacob were circumcised, and they were in the church. They, there's a mixed community, brother. And my kids, you know, I don't know who which one's, which one's going to become a Christian or not. Which one's going to profess faith in Christ eventually? Uh, but I'm going to baptize both of them, just like we circumcised both of them. That's, that's my fatal baptism. Yeah, yeah, and and I would say that the covenant of circumcision was to lead to Christ, and this was another question I had: When is the end of the covenant of circumcision? Well, I see. I see, Keith. So, just as I said earlier, so I think most majority of Baptists would equate an equal sign between covenant grace and new covenant. I think I agree with Sam Waldron that Pedal Baptists would put Abraham covenant and covenant grace equal sign there. So it, it doesn't end. I mean, why do they baptize us? Because we have a covenant. That's why they baptize their, their babies, because there's an equal sign there. And it took kind of graces, you know, eternal. So I, mean, that's what they, I think that's what they would say. So, yeah, when, when, does it, when does circumcision end? It doesn't end, but it's been replaced. And, and that's what I would, why I would argue Colossians 2 is ending uh-huh. circumcision. Christ was circumcised. He was cut off in the flesh. Okay. He died. So he ended circumcision. Therefore, the, the fleshly circumcision is over because he died. And now spiritual circumcision is what replaces that. So, well, I, I, baptism I doesn't would, replace I don't think it. Baptist brothers would argue that. Yeah. I think they would support that as well. They're just saying that the physical signs changed. Right. They would say that. Yeah, and I would say... So that, I think they would agree, yes. Yeah. Circumcision of the heart. And I would say baptism doesn't replace circumcision Christ in circumcision and so being baptized into Christ has a relation but it doesn't replace it doesn't have a relation but it, doesn't, yeah. Yeah. but it doesn't replace and so there's not a mixed there's not an intentionally mixed congregation mm-hmm. um, I think Baptists are the most consistent visible invisible congregation I think we're more consistent yeah, when, in that when I think about this uh, you know pedo-baptist issue, issue I think about so the standard okay so I think about the pedo-baptist proof text um and I think you have to have that pedal Baptist presupposition mm-hmm. to even say had they say anything to do with bap- baptism because they, yeah. they don't. And so the pedal Baptist, I think a consistent pedal Baptist would, would say, and I've heard him say this, is that we don't need infant baptism to be addressed in the New Testament because we assume that covenant circumcision and baptism, we assume that carries forward, right? We baptize our children, we assume that. So we don't need an, a positive affirmation of infant baptism Silence is okay. Silence for us is good enough. Um, um, silence for us. Silence for us is good enough. So my response would be: It's the, good and necessary. Yeah. So my, my my response would be then that could be true if there was silence, but there isn't. If yeah. Christ hadn't said something about new wine and old wineskins, if if Paul hadn't wrote Romans about um, who is the seed of Abraham, if Christ hadn't said who is my my mother, who is my brother, you know, if Christ hadn't said that the old if the Hebrew book of Hebrews wasn't written. You know, the Old Testament is done away with that has gone. You know, it has gone away. Yeah. So this is this is part of that shadow. This is part of that type. You know, the Abraham covenant is part of that. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Is the covenant of circumcision has been fulfilled in right. Christ. Right. Right. Um, so baptism isn't replacing. It's it fulfilling. It, or, it, it's a 
It's a New it's Testament. A, yeah, it's a New Covenant. It's not Old Covenant. It's New yeah. Covenant. Yeah. It has a different relation to, to, to circumcision. The, the issue with that, though, is because you already brought up covenant sign, right? Yeah. Which would, in the New Testament, it's not baptism the, or seal. The seal. In the New seal, Testament, right. the seal is not baptism, it's the Spirit. Right. right? right. So um, the reason, the, I would argue that the reason why our sign or our, our ordinance, the baptism, the reason why it is bestowed upon believers only is because the seal is, is right. you know, given Spiritual. to believers only. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, but that's not the, that's not the argument that, that Paul makes in Colossians 2. And so that's, that's why I, I really have an, a, a hard time with looking at Colossians 2 and, and interpreting it the way that you do. Okay. This might be the only, the first Creole Covenant debate that we've actually had on this podcast. <laughs> well, and I wonder, and, and I don't just have much uh, discussions with our Pato Baptist brothers about this, but uh, just in a very practical term, I, I think upon, let's say, my children. Okay? Mm-hmm. If I'm a Pato Baptist and I've already baptized them, and as they're growing, and I am preaching the gospel to my children. Mm-hmm. Which I would agree that they mm-hmm. continue to do. Sure. What do you tell your children? You need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be, oh, don't be baptized. That already happened. But just for, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It just it just seems you know yeah. th- this is what a believer does. So someone who comes to Christ, you yeah. repent, you believe, and be baptized. Well, they would agree with that in, in so far as it's, it's referring never, to adult adult new converts. You know. If you haven't been um, raised in it, yeah. But if you've been if you've been raised, then wouldn't it be more just in in, uh, in keeping with your baptism? Wouldn't that be like the terminology that they would use? I don't know. In keeping, yeah. You look you look back at your baptism, yeah. meditate, meditate on your baptism, think of your baptism. Um, so something I've been learning since I've been going to this OPC is that um, when a, if a family comes on board, a new family comes on board, and let's say they have kids, yeah. They'll baptize kids up until a certain age. Like if they're if they're five, he said he would never baptize a five year old because he's talking about Southern Baptists baptizing five year olds in profession of their faith. Because I would never do that. So I found that surprising. Hmm. Yeah. Well, but I they, mean, but it, those it, are issues that come up. It comes up for Baptists as yeah, well. You yeah. know, I mean, there's um, you know, I think I mentioned this in previous podcasts that we at our church, it's it's. Um, we have a very cautious approach to child, uh-huh, yeah. child baptism, yeah. but we don't completely rule it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's extremely cautious. It's case by case basis, but we don't rule it out. There are Baptist churches that completely rule it out. You have but, to be an adult before but, you can be Baptist. Yeah, so, I, I don't agree with that at all. But something else I found interesting too is that what they'll do with this uh, OPC does is is uh, so they will Baptist. Let's say you remember the church, you have a baby. They'll you know they'll sprinkle your baby, mm-hmm. but your child needs to make a profession of faith at some point. Um, so they are non-communicant men. They can't they can't take communion Lord's table. They are non-communicant members of the church so they can't vote or anything else mm-hmm. uh, until they make a profession of faith later on and some churches actually I don't know if the OPC does this but some churches some reformed churches actually have a, a ceremony um, confirmation ceremony mm-hmm. I mean PCAs might which is totally an unbiblical if you believe in reformed you know worship if you believe I don't know Anglicans and Methodists do that yeah they do yeah they have confirmation mm-hmm. service so I was baptized now I'm making my own profession of faith like at 12 years old they go through a catechism class yeah. and they get confirmed yeah yeah, but if you believe in the regular principle of worship, right? You only do what God commands, right? Then where does that come from? Uh, the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
I was talking about infant baptism. I was talking about confirmation, but either way. No, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I think Catholics do it too, don't they? They do yeah. the confirmation. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I, yeah, I was Catholic. I got confirmed in the church. So. Yeah. Hmm. But I was told to get confirmed. Like, it wasn't like I made a choice. Hey, I want to... No. Yeah. I was, you're, you're, you're the age now. You have to go to confirmation. Okay, okay. <laughs> Can you parrot all the answers back to us? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Those are a lot of really good things to, to think about. In, in the introduction to this book... Yeah, I totally agree with him that the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant is where it all we all, we all this is the heart of Pedal Baptist thought. This yeah. is where the difference. It's all right here in the Abrahamic covenant. That's probably uh, why he spends so much time on it. Yeah, yeah, covenants. And we're I mean we're all still learning. I'm I mean I'm open to mm-hmm. to understanding Colossians a little better. I mean I, that's how I've understood it. So I mean, me too. I, I, I know I know Barcelos <laughs> has Richard Barcelos has. An article somewhere. Mm-hmm. I need to find it. Yes. Um, on cautions? Yeah, I haven't read it. It's in one of the books. That it, it's in an old, um, what was that journal he used to do? The old Reformed Baptist Journal. Is, uh, uh, I, I think I have it at home. I can bring it next time I come. It's here. been published in another book. Oh, has it? I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it in another book. Uh, and I have to bring this up because we. Uh, it, it's been popping up in my mind over and over again since we've been having this discussion, this podcast. But uh, Tom Trantry's response to Mark Jones. Oh, I know um, it is? Okay. When, uh, when Mark, Mark Jones wrote, a, wrote yeah. a, uh, an article yeah. on Reformation 21 about, um, what was it called? What was it about, J.D.? You, you did a response to it as well. Yeah, I did a response. Um, he, he was talking about... Um, um, if your children, you know... Oh, yeah. How do Baptists... Yeah. Um, teach their children can they sing the songs to Jesus loves me this I know and how how do I tell them that they have the promises in Christ Chantry makes a really good argument he says you know uh, when you look at the way that Pato Baptists talk about these different passages he said I can can respond to every single individual passage but I don't have the time what I'll respond to is is the fact that it's it's all about the presupposition because Pado Baptists don't even agree on every one of the. I mean, yeah. you, you take any you you take any oh, yeah. particular Pado Baptist. If you were to take the full spectrum of Pado Baptists and the way that they talk about these verses, at some point, one or or multiple of the Pado Baptists will say that any of these verses are are not good are not good verses to use in an argument for Pado Baptism. You know so. You know, Colossians two or whatever. Right. There, there's there will be a Pado Baptist out there that will say, okay, this verse isn't a good argument for Pado Baptism to the point that eventually they all get canceled out. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those verses get canceled out. So ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to your understanding of the covenants, yeah. and it comes down to your presuppositions, right? So you know, I've I've made the argument in the past. You know, you're not going to find a hard and fast Pado Baptist. Versus Credo Baptist argument from example or from from any of that in the New Testament, it all comes down to your understanding of covenant theology, right? And and how you understand. You know, you're not going to find okay the household baptisms. They were all believers. There's not that that explicit statement. Or there were some infants there that also got baptized. That explicit statement isn't made. There's assumptions when yes. when Baptists come to those passages. And they say, oh, okay, we have a household baptism here. We assume that everybody that was baptized in that household was old enough to make a profession of faith. Yeah. Especially, right? especially when it explicitly states they all believed and were baptized. Yeah. 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 
yeah. belief yeah. Um, together. With yeah. And, and then and then you look at you look at the the flip side of that. You know, a pedo Baptist would look at that and say, well, it's a household. Obviously, there's going to be infants in a, in, yeah. in, that, in a household. Yeah. You know, and they just assume that there were infants there. And so, but what I'm arguing though is that that you cannot make a hard and fast argument based on the the, the narrative sections of the New Testament. You know, one way or the other. Right. What you have to do is you have to look at the theological arguments, yeah. the the covenantal perspective, yeah. in order to, to, to determine that. Yeah. And that, yeah, Chantry was he even pointed out a lot of it was kind of an emotional. Mm. Like Mark Jones oh, yeah. was answering emotionally. He was asking right. these questions right. emotionally. Right. Right. Appeal to emotion. Yeah. yeah so, well, I mean, we're going to tell a believing child and an unbelieving child the same thing: repent in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. All that said, I love Martin Jones's stuff on sanctification. I, I do too. <laughs> so, Doctor Fred Welty is one of my one of my, my living heroes. Um, he has written a lot, but when he writes, I totally love it. Um, but he wrote objections to or answers to Colin Jackson's on Pedal Baptist sentimentalism. He's like five oh, wow. five arguments oh, yeah. of Pedal Baptist sentimentalism. It's a sentimental argument. It's not a yeah. logical reasoning yeah. theological yeah. argument. It's just a sentimentalism. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, if if we resort to you know telling our Pato Baptist brothers you know oh you're just sentimental you know then then we're not going to make any headway in our right. discussion with them either. Yeah. So we need to be we need to be mindful of that as well. That we do want to take their arguments seriously and and take them to the scripture yeah. on these things. I mean, we wrestle with the same things though. Yeah, we have children. Right. right. I mean, when we look at our children, we we're not void of emotion. Yeah. I mean, I'm not looking at my child. And well, you're not in covenant grace. <laughs> Yeah. No. It's, <laughs> I love my child. Yeah. Yeah. And we all love our children. We 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 look at them and we yeah we want the same things for them that yeah. we have. Yeah. Uh, it's not that we're void of sentimentalism too. It's that um, we seek wherever we can to take our thoughts captive to the Word of God. And if if we have that theological statement given by by Paul. Uh, any of the apostles or by Christ, then that's what we need to to follow. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, you have been listening to the Credo Covenant Fellowship, where we seek to enter and sometimes engage cultural conversation from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We have a, a Gmail account. You can send us an email, credocov at gmail.com. And then we're also owners of our own website. We'd like you to visit us there, uh, credocovenant.com. Uh, again, we're on iTunes. You can download the podcast through there. Uh, give us some reviews. That'll kind of boost our status a little bit and let uh, the conversation go a little bit further and more people can see that. Uh, with that being said, we we'll look forward to talking to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.